Sound design. And the problem is that people want to see a beautiful graphic, but people forget that we are working with sound. We are not video <laughs> guys. We are not lighting guys. We are sound guys. Sound design. Sound Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Oakland, California. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the show to help you build your career as a sound engineer and the home of the world's first online career coaching program optimized for audio professionals. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm joined by senior technical seminar instructor for Meyer Sound, Mauricio Ramirez. So, Mauricio, thanks for joining me on Sound Design Live. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> so, Mauricio, I definitely want to talk to you about um, cell phones and sound system tuning and your travels all over the world. But before we get into that, you travel all over the world helping people get the most out of their sound systems and you work with a lot of different front of house engineers. So what is the number one most popular sound system test track you hear over and over again? Yes, one of the tracks that I have seen, it's a... is from the old days, it's from Toto. The name is, is I Will Remember. It's from the old generation. Of course. Another one that a lot of people use is group, the name is Infected Mushrooms. Okay. And the name is In Front of Me. What's in front of me? And in my song, we use so much of, of infected mushroom, but, but not like ballad. We use more like electronic, very fast. Boom, 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 boom. Very rapid. For Latin market, depends in... Because remember, Latin market can be a lot of rock, rock bands. Mm-hmm. And you can be like more Latin. What in the United States, you think Latin may be more like salsa style or, 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 or cumbia style. And... For salsa style, I, I found that a lot of people use uh, Mark Anthony. Sure. Mark Anthony uh, and Ruben Blades is, is kind of popular files in for the for the guys that mix uh, what Latin style and for the rock guys, was a little bit of a little bit of the same track that everybody's playing. Yes, ACDC is, is popular. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Yeah, but this is a lot of difference in recording. Let's say for, recording from the late 70s, they don't tend to have a lot of low end. Mm-hmm. Not, not only in level, but in spectral response. Normally, mm-hmm. recording from the 70s, they don't have information below 50 or 60 hertz. It's like you can see, like, if you see in the spectrum analyzer, no, no data, no, no information. But if you take recordings from, from these days, whoa, man, you can see 20 hertz. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yes, it's like, what the hell is that? And, and of course, recording of these days has more level in the, in the low, but you have extended low. Like, I, I think that they are using subharmonic synthesizers or something that sure. add, add things that... Because, because acoustical instruments, they, they don't produce that. No. But they have to use electronic synthesized electrical instruments or, I don't know, they are what is kind of, of these uh, sound, sound creators and they produce something that has a lot of information in the, in the low. Mauricio, another piece of trivia I'm curious about... Um... 
everywhere that you travel in the world, which nationality has uh, the sound engineers that smoke the most? Oh, my God. Uh, where do you smoke so much? Spain. In Spain, really? everybody. I was going to say Greece. Well, maybe, All right, Spain. Maybe nine in every ten smokes. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, China, everybody smokes also. A lot of people smoke in China. Greece is true. I think that Italy is less than Greece and Spain, but Greece, everybody smokes. Portugal, it's a little bit less like Italy. And then you have countries where, like United States, man, United States, maybe only 50% of the people in the the cruise smokes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you have like the Nordic countries, Denmark and and the Netherlands, that is more people than the United States that smoke. Maybe around 70% of the people smokes. Okay, interesting. Yes. Japan, oh my God, Japan. <laughs> Everybody smokes. Like, oh, like when I am in Japan, and then this is 15-minute coffee break in a seminar, everybody goes outside the building. Right. <laughs> because they cannot smoke inside the building. So you see everybody outside. Right. Yes, actually, I changed my mind. Italy also. Italy, a lot of people go outside the building to smoke. Yeah, I, I changed my mind. Italy, Spain, and Greece is like, oh my God, these guys are so attached into, into smoking. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. I don't smoke. I, I, I did try. I did try. How did you special. avoid it? So many other people smoke in our industry. Somehow you avoided it. I avoid the people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if I am talking with, with friends, with friends that are smoking, I, I, I go away and, hey, come on, say, no, 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 no. If, if this is wind and the wind is moving the smoke out uh, away from me, okay. But sometimes the wind is going very, very weird and, and the smoke comes to me and say, no, I go away. Because I start to feel like pain in my throat if I am if I am in front of a people that is smoking and then I have some sort of also pain in my eyes. When I was 15 year old, I tried and I was never able to able to finish one simple cigarette. I try camels, I try John Player Specials and Marlboro, and no, I am not wow. the person for smoking. Well, I think maybe you're just lucky. I don't lucky really sleep. I heard... Just pretend to. Eyelids, one shot, replay the day from every perspective. So Mauricio, how did you get your first job in audio? My fi- as, as a mixer guy or as a, uh, an employee of sound company? Uh, as a mixer guy. Uh, okay, I was in a band. Uh, we was starting to play, uh, but to to public, but to, like in parties, and they pay us. And and sometimes the place was bigger, so we start to hire a sound company because what we have in the rehearsal room was not enough. Well, basically, I was the keyboard player, uh, and normally I discovered that during the rehearsal or sound check, the the guy that was mixing. Uh, spent so much time with the drums mm-hmm. then little time with the with the bass little little time with the guitar mm-hmm. uh, little little time with the voice and practically zero time with the keyboards right so you had nothing to do and then i was there and i was feeling bored so then i came in front to see what how it sound and and it happens two or three times and I, maybe it was two or three companies, I don't remember, but the third time the guy was very offended that I say that I didn't like it, how it sound. And I say, well, this is your job, please fix it. And, mm-hmm. and after I, he, he, moved, he moved some of the knobs and I said, still, I don't like it. And the guy was offended, says, try to do it by yourself. 
so well uh, like I and then he walked away he walked away yes yeah he was wow. away and so you've always been good with people well <laughs> the thing is that yeah I make people desperate so much I the same thing happened with my children and my wife mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that I was very naive in those days, it was, I'm talking about 1990, 1988 or 1987, maybe. And and I, the mixer was analog. If it may be today, it will, I will not be able to do that again. But And I was looking knobs. I said, okay, this one on top seems to be the volume. And I remember that I call rotary volume because in the bottom you have a, a kind of a slider volume. Later I know that is gain and, and fader. And then I said, this seems to be Q. Okay, mm, instead of lows and highs, I can see lows, mids and highs. Okay, it has no compressor, nothing else, no parametric. It's just like, okay, let's write. And I yeah. remember that for some, uh, in the rehearsal room of, of, of the drummer Guido, the the mixer was very, very basic and the faders was not labeled from minus infinity to plus 10 decibel, but it was from zero to 10. Mm -hmm. uh, 0 to 10, what? I have no idea about 0 to 10. And it was a thick line in number 7. So this mixer has a thick line at 0 decibels. So what I figure out, let me put the, the output at 0 and let me make all the, what I know today that is called gain, but I call in those days a circular or, or rotary volume, all the way down, all the way down, and I start to move the, the faders at 0 and try to adjust the volume. Some channels like the kick drum, it was not enough, so I had to press something that was called uh, minus 20. I have no idea minus 20 what. Later I know it's minus 20 decibel. So then I was just trying to make it, it to be the way it was built in my brain. And I have no idea about EQ and, and decibels just was moving like, it sounds here better or worse, and, and I just, I moved the rotary knobs of highs, mids, and lows, and as soon as I was moving and, and they was playing one by one, I was adjusting and discovered, wow, sounds more more nice here. And suddenly, oh, no, right now sounds horrible. No, 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 go back. And I just was trying to figure out what is the position where it sounds nice. I don't know, after 10 or 15 minutes of, of doing this, it sounds pretty decent. And then uh, Cesar, the, the guitar player, played the keyboard even better than me. So he played the keyboard. I adjust. And the, and the roadie, his name is Alex. And I told Alex, Alex, don't allow nobody to move this. Yeah, now that it's set, you just stand here and protect the mixing board. Yes, you protect this. If somebody wants to touch, you need to go and, and fight. Kind of Mortal Kombat or right. so Super then, Street Fighter. So then what happened at the end of the show? I remember you said um, the a guitarist yeah, yeah. from the headlining band came up to ask you who makes the show. No, well, uh, the, this guitarist is is from another band that in maybe one month later, we was headliner for him. Mm -hmm. But in that day, he was kind of famous in the city, uh, his band, and he came at the end of the show and asked me a question, Who, uh, what, is the, what is the name of your mixer guy? I say, uh, mixer guy? I don't know. We don't have mixer guy. Yeah, the guy that is over there. Ah, this is Alex. Oh, do you think that he can mix us? But Alex is not mixing. <laughs> uh, so who mixed this? I don't know what do you mean with mix this. Yes, it's like, I like the way it sounds. Who did it? Ah, okay. You mean that that the adjustment in the mixer? Yes, it was me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So can you mix us? 
and say, yeah, why not? So maybe that is the, the first job I did. When you look back at your career so far, maybe what's one of the best decisions you made to get more of the work that you love? Ah, that's very easy. Let's say that I start to play uh, music in 1987. I start working in a sound company as uh, the lowest level that you work in some company, loading the truck and yes, and try to learn as much as possible. But it was 1988. I think that uh, then in 1991, I opened in the garage of my parents uh, a kind of a small small academy explaining people sound reinforcement. And in 1993, I took the training of the SIM system to analyzer. And I have to say that in 1993, I was maybe so selfish or so naive that I used to think that I knew everything. Sure. And I have my friend Lalo told me about an analyzer that was like the best analyzer in the planet. And I remember that because I was spending so much time reading magazines and and so much, there was no internet in those days. Mm-hmm. And I remember that I thought that the best analyzers in the planet in those days was Audio Precision and Tef and Hitley Packard. And he told me, no, this analyzer can do something that any analyzer can do. Mm, what can do? It can measure... It can produce the same graphic with pink noise or with music. Ooh. <laughs> to me, like a rubbish. Fuck off. Like, I <laughs> yes, if you use pink noise and music, the graphic stays static. Says, so no, no. Like, I don't know. You are an asshole. Somebody told you that. And <laughs> everything. Like, if you put music, the graphic will dance up and down, up and down according to the music. If you put pink noise, because the pink noise is, is flat, it will move just a little bit, but in the long term, it looks flat. It says, okay, uh, I will show you a brochure next month because they promised to send to me. Who promised to send to you? The company that built the analyzer. Uh, what, what is this brand? Meyer Sound. Meyer Sound is building an analyzer? Oh, <laughs> In those days, you have to think that 1993, one of the brands with more reputation in Mexico was Meyer Sound. Okay. So when Eduardo told me that that this analyzer was made by Meyer Sound, I was like, ooh, this will be a kind of scientist analyzer. Then I asked Eduardo, so who told you about this analyzer? Scott. Scott what? Scott Gladhill. And who is this guy? The Meyer guy. <laughs> Says, you are super idiot. Wow. The Meyer guy tell you that the Meyer analyzer is better. If you mm-hmm. talk to the audio precision guy, he will tell you the audio precision analyzer will be better. So to me, like, you are very naive, Lalo. Two months later, he received the brochures and a pre-qualification exam. Because Nathan, in those days, you have to do an exam to be accepted to do the training. Right. And I remember that the exam was 50 questions. And because in those days, I have my, my small academy. I thought that I knew everything, and just in the very first five questions, I have to open Don Davis' book, the Yamaha book, several books. The sound. Re- what is, uh, what is one of the books that it was uh, Don Davis, the Audio Cyclopedia, the Yamaha Sound Reinforcement, and the Modern Recording Techniques. I had to open all my books and try to. Oh wow! In all these books, where is the answer for weird question? And I found that the exam was very, very hard. Contrary to feel uh, offended by the exam, I feel like it opened my eyes that I discovered that I was so very selfish and very naive thinking that I know everything. And I told Eduardo, okay, I want to take this training. 
if 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 we approve and we can take the training, I want to take the training because I want to meet the person that did the exam. This is this is a brilliant guy, and also right now I understand that yes, it can be possible that an analyzer can play with music, and the graphic stays, and this guy knows something that I don't know, and you have to know that in those days there was no smart. No smart in 1991. Uh. So then we took the training in 1993 because it was 93 when Eduardo showed me that. So we came to the okay. training. In the very first hours, changed my mind. I discovered how many misconceptions I was having. And every single day was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like polarity and face. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> and change, change. The capacity to see the time in something called input response. The capacity to understand that how the time affects frequencies by a graphic that is called phase. And a different manner to understand directivity. And there was no map map online in those days that you can see the sound by colors. But, yeah. but and all the approach by how to do system design, it was pretty impressive and changed my mind. I came back and... I figure out how to tune systems with the with the old style analyzer of LED LED bars called audio precision no, no audio control and a polarity tester by Turbo Sound and and I learned that I have to compare positive negative polarity one will be better sometimes sometimes you need to have positive positive sometimes you have to do positive negative and and then I discovered that you need to aim the speakers in those days was no line arrays was a standard vertical cabinets, kind of trapezoidal shape. And mm -hmm. I just very rapidly discovered how, by the seminar, how the interaction between the speakers can produce damage in the sound. So everywhere I go, I first re-aim the speakers. So I listen a single speaker with pink noise, and I walk, walk in order that with my ear I feel, okay, this is where I feel that the high frequencies roll off, and this is where the other one needs to connect with this one. So without analyzers, but just by the knowledge of that seminar, I start to change my approach. And with pretty good success, practically every, every place you go, you minimize your problems. So if I have to say, what is the, what is the best thing I have done? Take the same training. So Mauricio, times have changed since then, right? Since you first discovered the SIM analyzer and you first took this training. Um, now we have software that you can just download from the internet and there's a lot of different um, kinds you can get, but a lot of them are available that anyone could just get right now. And that's pretty different than back in 1993, right? So it's really easy to access. So lots of people are getting it and they are potentially making a lot of mistakes when they first get it because it's a lot easier to just download the software than it is to go to a seminar or read a book or do some kind of training, right? Like the fun part is downloading the tool and starting to use it. So Mauricio, I'm curious, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making today who are new to sound system tuning? Are they like plugging the microphone in backwards or turning things upside down? What are people doing wrong? Okay. Uh, I, I think that if we want to put name, uh, we're talking about FFT analyzer, dual channel, like smart or or SysTune or SatLive that are the, the more popular along with the SIM that is a machine but not a software. As you say, right now it's very affordable that everybody can download uh, the installer and some of them the installer is fully operative for 30 days. And a big percentage of the people that I have meet every year 
in different countries, it is uh, having a, a crack version <laughs> of smart. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, yeah, you cannot imagine it. Like, I think that for every license of smart that I see, there are like four with no license. Oh, wow. Uh, anyway, eventually the people that has no license discovered that the, no li the, the, the crack version is an older one and cannot perform all the other functions that the, that the paid version can do. And eventually... Uh -huh they start buying, they, they finish buying. So people that I have met using crack version, right now they have version eight with license. So Got it's it. just a matter of time. Sure, so number one mistake, people are using their software without a license. So they have the old version with less features. Yes, less feature like, let's say if you have, I think the, the crack that I found more is seven, smart 7.1.2 something. And in this one, you cannot do some fancy things that you can do in the version 7.4, let's say. And as okay. soon as I am in the class explaining things and they see, oh, mine cannot do that. I say, okay, go to go to the configuration, go here, here. No, but I don't have it. I say, ah, because surely you have the crack version. The crack version. <laughs> if you don't have the crack version, you, you can download the upgrade from here. And just the guys have red face and... <laughs> But basically, half of the half of the students have the crack version. Normally, for me, it's very common. In United States, not so much that. United States is maybe the country that I see maybe one in every ten guys crack version. But even in Europe, even in North uh, Nordic countries like Sweden, a lot of people has crack version. Oh, wow. And we have to understand that if we want to classify people, this is people that is working as a system technician or working as some company more than one hundred days per year. They, oh, wow. they do live tuning systems. It's like they work as some technician. And then you have guys that are students in a, in a university or a school of sound. So normally the guys that still don't earn money, they have a crack version. Oh, okay. Except that you have a, the guy that has a rich family. The guy that has a rich family, he will have a, a license. But, and this is for me the difference. People that get money doing this job, they have a license. People that don't get money, yes, because this is still, they don't have, they are just students, they don't have license. Mm -hmm. It is it's interesting. Anyway, interesting, what is the yeah. biggest mistake? I think that the mistake is not necessarily the, to have license or not license. To operate one of these analyzers, you need to spend, man, dozens of hours. It's like, it's not a machine. It's like, I don't know, if, if somebody wants to play cheese and you say, okay, this is the king, this is the queen, this is the... The peasant, I don't remember all the names of the of the pieces of cheese in English, I know in Spanish, but you have bishop and and, and tower, all of these things. Oh, and, you're talking about the pawn, yeah, the pawn yes, and the okay. rook and the knight. Uh, rook. Okay, so you can teach any person, okay, this moves in this way, goes only one only one uh, box, but this one goes diagonal, this goes straight, this can form an L, and this can go multiple. So you can explain the people's movements, yes. But this, this is not allowing you or assuring that you will be a good player. Good player is a person that has to play hundreds and hundreds of games to discover the strategies of other people and to create in his brain strategies to react. So an analyzer is like that. Somebody can tell you, push this one and produce pink noise. Push this one and appear the graphic. Push this and you will have something that synchronizes this. Push this. And, and people don't understand so many many things just start to see graphics and they think that they understand. And anyway, let's suppose that people knows how to synchronize reference and measurement. Let's suppose that. 
let's suppose that the people is able to understand uh, in the decibel graphic when, when let's say, it's a buffer and mid-highs are similar in level. Let's suppose that they understand what is the phase alignment and the angle of the graphic of mids to lows and mids to highs, matches, and everything like the big problem is that the people smooth the graphic of the analyzer to one third. That is uh, the biggest mistake. Okay. The, the graphic of the analyzer should not be smooth. And smooth is more easy to read, but what you are reading is a lie. And normally, <laughs> normally what I do is in, in the seminars, I take a parametric in three frequencies, 100, 1K, and 10K, and make the most narrow bandwidth and pump up 12 decibels in the three bands. Mm-hmm. And make them that before the EQ, the transfer function to be flat at zero decibels. Mm-hmm. And then I play the three filters on and the people can see kind of of peaks of 12 decibels in 100, 12, uh, 1K and 10K. And then they say, smooth the graphic right now to one third. And the graphic is not reaching 12 decibel anymore. It's reaching six decibels. And the bandwidth changes. Everything changes. So, and and the problem is that people want to see a beautiful graphic, but people forget that we are working with sound. We are not video <laughs> guys. We are not lighting guys. We are sound guys. The graphics will give us a clue. But if you want to apply cosmetics, if you want to be in cosmetics, it's better you go to to what is L'Oreal or any brand that is cosmetics. <laughs> you you need to learn how to read the graphic with all the peaks and downs, and it's difficult to read. And the other thing, people need to rationalize, because the, the other mistake is the comb filter that occurs by the sound of the speaker and the reflection of the floor, or the reflection of, of walls. Why? Because this produces peaks and downs, peaks and downs, peaks and downs, and sometimes you can have a peak that is one-tenth of an octave plus eight decibels. And people say, oh, look at this. I need to equalize this because it's so much. No, move the microphone one meter away from that position, and this is gone. So what people need to learn is don't use one third octave. Use 148 or 124. And don't take decisions based in a single microphone position. You have to compare this information with a microphone position one meter away or two or three meters, different locations, because everyone will show you, oh, here I can see one case goes down 12 decibels. But in the other position, 1K is zero decibels. And in the other position, 1K shows plus six. Which one is the real? Everybody is real. But you have mm-hmm. you have to correct only what is common to all the graphic, to all the measurements. So, yes, big mistake, and I have done this for so many years, is using one-third. Don't do one-third. It's better that you practice and practice and practice more and more and more. And because I know that people don't want to practice, it's a documentary. The name is Hero Dreams of Sushi. Oh, I've heard of that. I haven't watched okay. it Okay, It's in Netflix. No, it's not in Netflix in Mexico. I hear you hear Claro Video that is from Telmex, but you will find it. Okay, so tell me about Do this. Do you know what is in restaurants Michelin stars? Yes. This restaurant is three stars Michelin. It seems that it's the only Japanese restaurant with this category. That's amazing. The restaurant is in the metro in the metro train station of Ginza in Tokyo. Right. It's That's not amazing. a fancy place. It's, <laughs> it's an average place. But this guy is the most respect person in the planet for prepared sushi. Why is if that? you want to go to his restaurant, this is no menu. You will eat what he will prepare. Okay. And the entrance 
for enter to the restaurants is 30,000 yen per person for enter to the restaurant. This includes the food, but it may be higher than that because if the price of the fish is higher, the price will increase. 30,000 is $260. That's a lot of dollars. Yes, not including not including anything. Well, actually, in this restaurant, they don't have anything else except sushi. So if you want to have a like, I don't know, shabu shabu. No, they don't have shabu shabu. shabu. It's just sushi. That's all. Yep. And they don't give you the sushi like in a plate with six or ten pieces of sushi. It's one by one. Right. One. And then you have to eat it. And then he looks at you and he prepare another one. <laughs> <laughs> and looks at you and prepare another one. So... But this guy is having several sentences in the movie. I write down my favorite sentence. And he says, in these days, parents say to the kids, you can come back if you don't, suc- if you don't have success. When parents say these stupid things to the children, the kids becomes a failure. <laughs> wow. And this is telling because he has two kids. And one kid is his assistant, but the open the other one opened a sushi place and he's start to get in respect. And he's having more and more more sentences. In one of the sentences, he says, Well, one of the things that you will learn in this documentary, the people that want to become the chef for sushi in his category needs to be an apprentice for 10 years. Oh my god. 10 years. And I will not tell you because I want that you watch this. How many, how much time the apprentice will be doing things before cooking? <laughs> oh man, I uh, can't even guess. Okay, I'm gonna uh, watch it. Though. But what is important, he says, the people need to understand that practice and repetition and practice and repetition is what creates master. And this is what I have been thinking in, in our industry, not only about sound system techs, but also about mixer guys. Let's say that we talk about musicians. A musician, any any band, any group, any musician. Oh, this is another documentary that, that you have to see. It's called Wrecking Crew. It's about musicians that were recording studio session musicians in the 70s and 80s. And the same musician did recording for basically all the top ones during 10 years. Wrecking Crew with a W? Uh, wrecking like Destroyers. Let me let me. Two thousand eight. I am checking the IMDb to. to oh, out. music documentary Wrecking Crew. Yeah, Denny Tedesco. Yes, yes, that is. Yes. Uh, um, studio musicians who contributed to hundreds of chart-topping singles. Yes. Okay. Watch this documentary. Okay. And then you will you will connect these things. Basically, what produced the master <laughs> is that you had to spend so many, many, many hours of your life improving, 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 improving. And what happens, I remember that, uh, like, if I go with, with musicians, I can see that they are doing rehearsal so many hours per day. What do you want? Five, six hours per day, they are doing rehearsal. And then you have a piano guy, the piano player is doing so many things, so many things, so many things, or 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 the guitar or the drummer. Everybody spends so many hours of their lives trying to be better, better, and better in a way that they don't have to think and they just have to play naturally, like by instinct. And the same thing for system tuning or calibration or for or for mixing. What happens is that we we know we have a mixer, but we don't go to rehearsal with the band. We just appear during the concert and try to do that. 
But, and it sounds good, but it can be better if you go to the rehearsal and you mm-hmm. learn how these small details they are doing because it's, oh, this is the moment when this guy is doing this. And you can enhance all these small details and you will have a, a mix that will be more dynamic. And, right. and system techs, they just go and try to, to see a graphic and say, okay, what I know, what I have to do is to make the graphic look, look beautiful flat at one third octave and it sounds bad. And if it sounds bad, they say, oh, yes, because this sound company is not good, because this speaker brand is not good, because the musicians is not good. No, it's not because these are not good. It's because you are still not good enough. Yeah. So you need to compare the graphic of the analyzer with something that will be played during the concert. It, because so many sound guys only test the system with pink noise, and then the graphic looks beautiful and says, it's ready. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's like... I don't know. I think that if you are a chef and you prepare the food and you say, okay, try the food, hold on. Any chef will try the food first before to know, to be sure that it's good enough for the client. It's the same thing. If you are a system tech, you need to play material, material that you are familiar in order that you know that sounds good enough. And of course, that if it's good enough for you, maybe for another guy needs to do small changes in 300 hertz or 5K or whatever. Okay, you have to do it because the other guy will be the pilot of the guy that will control the mix is the pilot. So, but error number one is smoothing the analyzer. Error number two, not enough practice. Practice, 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 practice. Mauricio, it sounds like you're saying that I need to look at displays for, you know, 10 years before I start EQing. No, 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 no. I am not like (laughs) Mr. Hero. No. But you know what you have to do? Like, and so many, many, many guys in this business work with a sound company. And if you work in a sound company, I don't think that you are going, having chose 365 days per year. I think that you may have chose Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe, or maybe Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But normally Monday, Tuesday is free days. It's like you are in the warehouse doing nothing. And so many of these guys do nothing. You know what you can do? Take two speakers, amplifier, uh, connect to the connect to the analyzer, and start to play. Do experiments. Put two speakers together. Display them. Don't display them. Move the microphone. Start to start to recognize what happens when when in real time you move the microphone and you see. Ooh, you will see how the comb filter moves. Move the microphone far away, little by little, and you will see how the comb filter moves. Start to learn and recognize what part of the information that you see you can trust and what part of the information you can see, you cannot trust. Maybe the best solution is that that there can be an analyzer that only show a graphic of direct sound of the speaker without interaction with anything. But this analyzer doesn't exist. And this is something called maximum length sequence or time energy frequency that basically they cut the information in a way that the information is so short in time that the reflection don't arrive. But the problem is that you don't have resolution in low frequencies if you do this method. And what you see in low frequencies is a lie. So <laughs> uh, maybe somebody can invent or in the future, or maybe, maybe, maybe the standard will be concerts in an echoic chamber that may be super horrible because our ears are expecting reflections. I think someday speakers will somehow be able to measure themselves. Okay, you say speakers may be able to measure themselves, but then I will add a line. Where? Because if you measure a speaker at one meter distance, the graphic will be completely different as if you measure the speaker at 100 feet distance in indoor or in outdoor. So 
what we need to do is to practice, practice, practice to learn what we will see in indoor, in outdoor, when you are close, when you are far, in order that the, the decisions that you take from the graphic are not bad decisions. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is by trying it doing, and see what the effects are, right? So many, Seeing what it sounds like. So many, many, many times. For me, if, if I can give some advice is, okay, start putting a microphone in front of a speaker. The speaker needs to be, what, around five or six feet from the from the closer boundary and measure at one meter, store the graphic and maintain this graphic and move the microphone far away at different distances on axis of axis and see how it changes. But right now you have a reference graphic. So you know what is the sound of the speaker in the near field before reflections. Right. And Great you can idea. see how the graphic changes as changing your distances, go closer to the wall, go closer to the to the floor, far away, you will see all the changes and then you will discover, oh my God, I can see that 100 hertz goes down, but only here. But if I move here, 100 hertz recover. So, okay. So you see that it's like kind of dynamic changes. And every time you see something goes down, it's only in that seat, <laughs> but maybe in other seat is not gone. So what you have to equalize is the portions where you have information. You cannot equalize where you don't have sound. You can equalize only where you have sound, but it takes time. And for me, it's very easy to tell you, but remember that I took this sim training in 1993. Sure. So after so many years, uh, I finally, can see the light, but from 1993 to 1997, I was doing one third octave, and I never liked the EQ, never like how it sounds. And normally, I make something and I play music. Say no, 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 I have to, I have to remove some of the filters. And it, for me, several years was like I don't trust the analyzer for the EQ decisions. And then one day, Bob McCarthy, I asked Bob, Bob. Let me tell you that I am equalizing, I am doing this, but I never happy. Okay, tell me exactly what you are doing. And I explain step by step by step. And at some point he asked, okay, it seems that all your steps are good, but I need to ask extra questions. And he started to ask me about the delay finder and start to ask more and more. And he says, the resolution in the analyzer, are you using 148 or you're using one third? Oh, I'm using one third. He told me, ah, I got it. That is <laughs> And says, yeah, but at 148, it's very difficult to read. Yes, it's very difficult to read, but this is the data that you need. So you need mm -hmm. to practice how to understand this data. And then it's what I did. And with the years, makes more easy, but it's, it's true that it takes, it takes time. It's a tough thing because it's not exactly the kind of thing like if you're maybe a guitar player and you can practice at home. It's funny. It's it's a funny job, right? Like it's really the kind of thing where we need to be in a venue with a big, a sound system set up. I mean, I guess you, yes, you can do one speaker like you're talking about and you can do that at home. Um, and there's a lot of that that you could do that I guess, I guess you, so now I'm going to go back on what I'm saying. So you can practice this at home. There's some things though that you really need to be like in a room with a sound system, with all the stuff, you know, and that's not as easy to practice at home. You can practice at home, like, let's tell you, right now, I am listening to your voice, Nathan, by two small speakers. The name is Cambridge Soundworks. And they, there are two satellite speakers, and they are uh, having a subwoofer. And this thing is, is connected to my sound interface. And I have been playing sometimes with the, with the smart analyzer in my house using the microphone, 
and I do experiments and this one, but just this very basic thing is good for doing some some exercise. Okay, right. cool. And I think that everybody can have a, so so much people has this kind of thing a domestic home system with these two speakers and a subwoofer. Practice with this, and this subwoofer has volume control, so. I can see how the crossover point changes if I add you so much volume control. I don't have any DSP here, but I can go I can go to, to the warehouse of two or three sound companies and ask them, can I have for one day one of your DSP, XCA or BSS or Clark or DBX, whatever, if I want to go more. But it's not difficult, and especially the people that work in sound companies. <laughs> when I was working in sound companies, we don't have all this technology, but I remember that I stay extra hours there, there just trying to to learn how to use better a mixer, and I have like four monitors in the floor. Everybody goes to a different output and try to learn. Uh, oh, wow, this is means pre-fader and this means post-fader. Oh, and try to learn the effect of the high-pass filter and so many things. The problem is that in these days, people... People knows, okay, this is high-pass filter. Yes, but have you filled the high-pass filter? Not only with the voice, but put a high-pass filter in the hi-hat. Put a high-pass filter in the kick drum. So you need to feel, you need to feel the, the sonic change. And I guess that one of the errors today, is, and not only with, with, with the guys using analyzer, but also the guys using mixers, they, they trust everything what they see in the screen. No, 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 don't look at the screen. Close your eyes and feel the changes when you are moving the when you are doing the change with your finger mm-hmm. the, the change with your finger is that you are doing a frequency sweep in the parametric or you are moving the threshold in the in the compressor so you need to feel forget about what you see in the screens we are sound guys we are not video guys if i can change my mind maybe the error is not only the one third thing in the analyzer is that the people trust what they see in the graphics more to the information that the brain is telling about what they listen. Mauricio, the last time we talked, you told me about why you think parents should not teach their kids that they are special and the importance of being a, a normal guy when it comes to system tuning. So I wonder if you could just tell that story again, because I really like well, it. Well, it's something that, uh, because I have children, and some of my friends has children, and I, basically I am, well, I'm 52, so, and a lot of people from uh, in my age, people that is in the 40s or 30s to 50-somethings, everybody has children. And what I have found is that it's, it's a tendency in the latest 15, 20 years, that that parents are convinced that the kids are special and are unique. I remember when, when my daughter born and she was one or two year old, was thinking, oh, she will be a genius, she's special, Ooh, wow, wow. And then we are trying to, to embed this idea in the kids. You are special, you are unique, you are blah, blah. And maybe 20 years ago, I was thinking, yes, that's okay. And, and when I was a teenager, I think that I was special and I was different to everybody. And I don't know if it's good or bad. Uh, I can tell you that I don't agree with Okay. And why is that? that? That people make that you are special. Like if I am a mixer guy and I am special, maybe I am special enough in a way that I can do a mix that will please only special people, uh-huh. but nobody else. And... I think that I am an average person. I don't know if, if, if I can say normal. Surely my family will say, no, you are not normal. You are sure. maybe kind of demented, but well, <laughs> okay. But let's say an average person. 
if I do a mix, if I am an average person and I do a mix that satisfies me, surely will satisfy an average person. And in my experience during the years that I was mixing and during the years that I am tuning systems, I don't tune or don't mix to satisfy other people. I only tune and, and mix to satisfy myself. And what happens is that normally 90% of the people do do feel in touch or feel comfortable with my tuning or with my mix. And then I think it's impossible that we have 90% of the people special. <laughs> we are just average. We are not special. Maybe the one percent, the 10% people that don't like the tuning or don't like the mix is the special people. And it's the people that is happy with a mix that sounds horrible, but you can see in the show that they are smiling and they do like the mix, but sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. Maybe it sounds horrible for average people, but sounds super good for a special guy that like 4K at plus 12 decibels. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or that don't like, don't like 60 hertz and you don't have anything below 60 hertz and he's happy but all the other 90% of people don't like it. So I remember that you was kind of disliked that that approach. Uh, that, no, that, I like it. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, uh, I misunderstood that we are special and we are unique. Of course, that I think also that... Well, because, sorry, let me interrupt you for a second, because the reason that I like your explanation is that it makes it feel like our jobs are really not that hard. When we start to think about doing things that are really special, doing really fancy things, I think it, it can get really complicated really fast. And it seems like, oh, only some special, really smart, really talented people can be good sound engineers or be really good uh, system techs. And the truth is that the you know the biggest changes you can make with a sound system, a lot of times the most important ones are the most basic things, like make sure that the speaker is on, make sure that it's aimed in the right direction, things like that. So that's why I like your explanations because it's like very like you know, the most important things are not the biggest, most special things. They're like, you know, making it sound good to a normal person. <laughs> yeah, but but we have to, there must be a clarification regarding this. L let's say, you know that I use so many airplanes per year. And I do a lot of comparisons with airline industry. So I don't know how many airplane pilots for commercial airlines from all the planet are there. But let's say that, that there are in all this planet, in a single moment in time, you can have 30,000 airplanes in the air now in all the planet or 20,000. Tell me how many. 30,000. 30,000 airplanes in the air right now or they are in the, in, in, in the airport ready to, to take off. So, okay. You are talking about we have 30,000 special guys that have a gift to become pilot. Mm -hmm. No. I think that anybody can become pilot, but you need a special features. What? Good vision. If your vision is not 2020, <laughs> don't try it. You need to take a lot of hours of training and a lot of hours of practice. I don't know, like for, for, air, for pilots, they need to, to cover so many flight hours before they receive the license. So, and this is, this is for me the comparison. In mixer guys and in, in, in PA tuning guys, this is not something like you need to cover 500 hours <laughs> of job in order that you have the proper experience. I think that in airplane industry, to have 300 or 500 flying time 
It's in order to be sure that you have accumulated sufficient experience in different circumstances in order to be able to solve non-common problems that you may live mm -hmm. in the in an occasion. Mm -hmm. But I think that anybody can be an airplane for a commercial airline. And I think that if you want to be a pilot of a fighter, supersonic fighter F-15 or something, not everybody. <laughs> and I don't think that if you take 10 guys random in the street, uh, guys, and, guys and girls, five and guys, are random in the street, this, 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 from any race, and you make them training to be a system tech or a mixer guy, I don't think that everybody can be system tech or, or, or mixer guy, no. And being system tech or system guy is not because they are special, but it's because they have the qualities necessary that will make them to go for that. And, okay. and to me, like right now, my, my son is in, is in high school and he's telling me that one of his friends in the school, he wants to become a sound guy. And I told him, okay, bring it to me right now in holidays. We will go to the warehouse of a friend. I will put a multi-track session. And the only thing that I want to listen from him is his capacity to adjust faders. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's all. Without any guidance, I will tell, move these guys in order that for you, the balance from the, all the instruments is the best for you. And as soon as he proved that he cannot use good balance, that for me is a normal guy, I want to go for the next step. With this balance, right now, I want that you touch this, that will be EQ, and move in every direction to figure out how to embellish every single instrument and to have even better than before. And believe me, this is people that if you make this exercise, they will not be able to move in a 20 channel or 16 channels, have a decent balance of faders. I okay. guess, Nathan, that you already mix. Yes. Do you mix? Yes. If you mix, is, is somebody telling you what is the correct balance between kick and snare, snare and hi-hat, toms, bass? Is somebody teach you what is the correct balance for every instrument? No, no, nobody tells you. It's something that is in your brain. Something in your brain tells you that is the correct. But it's some people that that cannot see that. It's okay. Like if I take another field, let's say something that I don't have any any expertise uh, to be a gardener, a gardener. And if I talk to a gardener about different plants and, and different soil, <laughs> man. I will not see any different in three different kinds of soils, but the guy tell me, look at this, fill this soil, and it's different to this one. I will say, holy moly, to me, feel exactly the same. Okay. <laughs> I don't have the talent, I don't have the skill that is necessary to be a gardener. Sure. I can buy books for being a gardener, I can take training, but if I don't have the talent, I am wasting my time and the wa wasting the time of the instructors and this. So... I am convinced that not everybody that came to a seminar of system tech or mixer is a guy that, that has the capacity for that. But the people that has the capacity for that and can be good, no, it's not because it's special. It's because he is accomplished the conditions that is necessary for that field. And I think, and also passion, because this is the other important thing, passion. In the documentary of the sushi, you need to see that. Because you, Nathan, you have passion in these things. And if you have passion, you will work extra hours <laughs> and you don't care. Right. Because your goal is try to do better and better and better and better. 
and for do this kind this kind of interviews uh, and what you are doing in your website and the book that you're writing, I am pretty sure that you have to learn so many things about IT, so many sure. things about about uh, what is a edition of of a book. I don't know. I I don't think that you are doing this in Word or you you are using something that should be more professional, uh, but you have to learn things because you need it. But maybe you are not the best IT person in the planet, and I am not the best IT person in the planet. But we are trying to learn as much as we need for the job that we are having. Like when I am talking to in, in Meyer Sound with the, with the guys that are the specialists in Dimitri and all this uh, constellation, and these guys can see a code, can see a black screen with zero one one zero zero, and just things that to me look like matrix or or hackers. And they can discover, ah, it's here, it's the line 725. Uh, to me, like, holy Jesus, how do they know that? <laughs> but because they have spent hours and hours and hours learning that. And to me, if you show me a graphic, put me a graphic of analyzer, amplitude, phase, and coherence, and I can tell you, huh, I discover, like, I discovered that the mids are earlier than the highs, or the highs are earlier. I can see confilter and your reflection should be five milliseconds. So if you show me the system, you show me the microphone, I can tell you where is the reflection. Why? Because this is what I have been learning. But what I'm learning, because I'm crazy and I have intention to learn and learn and learn and more. The reason that I start to learn Excel is in order to do calculators, in order to prove that something that I was learning can be replicated mathematically. Mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> and I think that the people that has success in this business, the people that is mixing three shows per week or, or the people that is mixing super famous artists, because the important thing is not if you are mixing the super famous artists. The important thing is if the industry is calling you. So if somebody called you, oh, we have, we have a corporate event on Tuesday, but we have something in a church on Wednesday. We have a concert uh, and a festival on, on, on Friday. So if people is looking for you, this means that you are doing your job correctly. It doesn't matter if you are working with la creme de la creme of the artists in the planet. Sure. But if people is looking for you because they have confidence in your expertise, in your opinion, in the way you are doing the, the, this activity. But you need to have passion. If you don't have passion, you will not have intention to learn and learn and learn more. And I can tell you that I don't have passion for AutoCAD. Do I want to learn AutoCAD? No. Why not? Because in my sound, this is so much people that is <laughs> expert in AutoCAD. So every time that I need something in AutoCAD, I ask somebody of them, can you check this file? That's all. But imagine if I don't work for my sound, I need to learn AutoCAD. <laughs> and I think that these, these boundaries or these, these limits are set by how much you want to go, uh, like reading books and trying to enter to any single seminar that we can have here or there. I know so many guys that has been with, with, the, with the rational acoustic training with different instructors. This is one guy that he was sent me a message by, by WhatsApp that he was last week in the seminar with Smart, with Jamie Anderson. And I told him, but you was before in a Smart training, why you repeat? Because the other one was not Jamie, was other guy. And I want to listen explanation by other guy. Mm -hmm. And this guy has been in seminar with Steve, with Bob and with me. And he says, what do you want? To? Because everybody has different way to explain. And I think that he says, I am not so intelligent and I want to learn more and more. So maybe the explanation of one guy finally make me understand one of the topics. And I already understand other topics. And all the topics that I already do understand when I listen by other person, just Enhance what I already know. Yeah, I'm 20 something, the year is 
My decision normally, if I want to cut something, depends on how many times this repeat in different microphone positions. I normally prepare two snapshots, one snapshot before the EQ and the second snapshot after the EQ, and then play music or speech and change the snapshot. Yep. And so many times, most of the people that is there from some companies or the mixer guy says, no, I prefer without the filters. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And to me says, well, because when they say I prefer without the filters, I have been thinking the same and says, mm, I think that without the filters sounds more natural. And when they say that, says, this is again to say I am not special because I am thinking the same as everybody. And other thing that I have found in this graphic, if you pay attention here to this, this spot, what is this? This is around 14K. You see that in 14K, you see a, a kind of dip. This dip in 14K, it's something that if, before I try to do something, I prefer, again, listening. And I have discovered that in, in the case of my sound speakers, sometimes I can see a dip. Or Can you see the other one around 100 hertz? Okay, this dip in 100 hertz, in the early days, I will take a one-fifth octave bandwidth plus six decibels, try to go up. <laughs> I have discovered that it's better to listen first. And if your brain tells you it's good, don't do anything. Yeah. Don't do anything. And, and let's say that I am looking at this graphic here. This one shows that we have to equalize 155 right. hertz. But this one shows that no, we don't. <laughs> because the low frequencies is the combining or the summation of all the speakers together. It's better that in this example where you have two graphics, two microphone positions, in different positions of all this distributed system, one of these guys says, don't touch it. And the other says, equalize. So I prefer to have these variations and accept it because this is a frequency portion that is not directional. It's, a, it's an, omni, an omni frequency portion. The delay will help you to remove the echo. But remember, the echo is something that you listen when you are, I don't know, in the boundaries of 20 to 50 milliseconds. So even if, if, if your delay is short, if, if your time error is less than 20 milliseconds, you will be having comb filter, but you don't detect echo. So uh, normally when you have like without, without aiming the speaker, like just in a tripod without aiming down or up, you can adjust the delays because if you don't do, you listen echo. But delays will be good enough to remove the echo, but not good enough to remove the comb filter in every yeah. seat. The more, the more isolation, it works for more seats. So I see that you have a laser distance measure and just a regular ruler. <laughs> it's uh, nice. the, the regular Carpenter 1950-1960 ruler, I love that thing. Everybody travels with their own router now, which I tried to fight for a long time, but then I was finally like, well, I guess if I want it to work all the time, I have to have my own router. Yes, and regarding computer, I don't have any particular religion using Windows 10 or 7 or anything, or Apple using what is uh, the El Capitan or Sierra or anything. So for me, a computer is a tool, same as the analyzer. Uh, it can be smart or can be SIM or can be 
Sat Live, these are the ones that, that I have more experience using it. Now, one thing I, that I think is pretty cool when you do the seminars is that you like to show a few different pieces of software just to kind of prove that here's how you would do this in Smart, here's how you would do this in Sat Live, here's how you would do this in Sim 3. And you accomplish that by using parallels, right? So that you can switch between a Windows OS and a Mac yes. OS. That's correct, yes. All right, cool. Yeah, that's what I... I haven't done that yet, but I would like to do that on my machine because I actually use Sat Live. And one nice thing is that... I mean, it's kind of annoying to have to install multiple operating systems on the same computer, right? But one nice thing is that every time I open Windows, that's the only thing I use it for. So it's always set up and ready to measure. Like there's... I don't use it for word processing or email or anything else. Windows just runs my Sat Live software. What's most impressive for me is that you're able you were able to make the drivers work for your audio <laughs> interface. I didn't know that it could do that. So you have the audio interface plugged into your computer and it's feeding audio to and from Smart at the same time as Sat Live. It's something from Parallels. I, I didn't do anything. So in Parallels, okay. you select what is, what is the sound? Where do you want to take the sound? From the, from the computer microphone or from the external USB thing? So it's like everything is Parallels. These guys are great. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, I want to do it. Yeah, and I have been using before Parallels. I try something called VMware, but I have problems with the sound all the time. So one guy in Meyer Sound told me, try Parallels. And Parallels was able to import my virtual machine created in VMware. And it works. And after, what, five or six years, <laughs> no complaints. Wow, cool. Well, the complaint is that every year they are forcing you to have a new version. Yeah. Oh, the, but I, I, I only upgrade Parallels every two versions. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I really don't like it when softwares do that, which is another one of the reasons why I kind of like Sat Live is that you just pay for it once and then you yes. can have it for the rest of your life. And there's a lot of other software out there, including like Smart and I guess Parallels, where every time they come out with a new version, you're going to have to pay a little bit to upgrade. Yeah, like Smart, it's like from Smart 7 to Smart 8, the, 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 the time lapse was, what, five years, six years. For me, that is very decent. Yeah. But every single year is like, ah, rubbish. Now sound engineers have to be, we have to wear so many different hats, right? You have to be, you have to know about networking. You have to know about power. Uh, you have to know um, a lot of things about computers now, right? And just like how to make computers work because that's going to be part of the show somehow. And if you can't get your compass up and running or your computer up and running, you might not get the show up and running. Yes, yes. And like mixers, somebody, somebody, you know how to use a, 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 the software for a mixer brand and somebody show you another mixer says, but why is not doing this way? Hey, every mixer is different. So you will not make Yamaha to have the same philosophy as Digico or Avid. Everyone has different philosophy, but some people always say, but in the Yamaha, they are doing this way. Why here is this way? Uh, well, in, in, in Colombia, the guy didn't ask this question, but you are asking this question. <laughs> so why? Because every motherfucker is different. Sound design. Wow, that was a lot of material, you guys. I took so many notes. Uh, if you're driving right now, you probably were not able to take any notes. That's good. You shouldn't be taking notes while you're driving. Don't worry, I'm going to share all my notes with you. Um, once you get to a stopping point and you're not driving anymore, open up uh, whatever podcast player you're listening to this with. And in the notes there, there's going to be a link to the expanded show notes for this podcast. And that's where I'll have all of the notes I took and a bunch of quotes from Mauricio. 
And otherwise, if you don't have that link, just go to sounddesignlive.com, scroll to the bottom of the page. There's a big red search bar and just type in Mauricio. And I also want to say thank you very much to Jace the Caveat or Caveat, not sure how you pronounce it, for all of the music in today's episode. If you want to hear more of his music, just go to soundcloud.com slash J-C-A-V-E-A-T. And if you can't find that, just again, go to the show notes for this podcast and I'll show you where to find it. You know what I've been thinking? You are the first person on the planet to make this more for simple mortals. Yeah. <laughs>